Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports this morning. Got a loaded show for you. Louisiana basketball coach Bob Marlin will join me a little later this hour, around 745. The 8 o'clock hour, former Green Bay Packers wide receiver James Butler will be in studio with me. And um, we'll also talk about the transfer portal and its impact on college sports and what he might have done when he was younger. Uh, had the portal been what it is now when he played. But kicking off the show with us this morning, as promised, very excited about this, our guy Nick Underhill of NewOrleans.Football, Saints insider. You know him from all his hard work covering the Saints, bringing you stuff you can't get elsewhere. Good morning, Nick. Thanks for waking up with us, man. How's life? How are you? Doing well, man. How you doing? Um, you know, I would have loved to have watched the Saints in a playoff game, uh, even though four of the six games weren't great over the weekend. But – you know what? Um, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. We got plenty of football. Uh, and even though the Saints aren't in the postseason, I know Saints fans are still chirping away and, uh, and and soaking up your content. You know, one of the ones that I read that you wrote recently was about Russell Wilson. So why don't we just start there, right? You laid out, and I advise folks to go check it out, Orleans.Football, how a potential Russell Wilson trade would work if the Saints were to truly explore it and um you know i've said for a while when people ask me who the quarterback will be for the saints in 2022 i say it's either going to be Jameis winston or russell wilson via trade Uh, i think where there's smoke there's fire the no trade clause a number of other things but what odds do you give russell wilson approximately being the quarterback of the saints in 2022 nick it's tough to gauge because you know i i think the the seahawks would have to be kind of crazy to actually deal him away and it would have to be at a point where they, they really feel like there's no such thing as reconciliation in, in that relationship of you know the, the things he wants to to be there and to succeed um into his career and look he, he's he's going to be 34 i mean that's not a very old age for quarterbacks anymore and the way he takes care of an hour about i thought was just absolutely fascinating where, where they just kind of talked for like an hour about i thought was just absolutely fascinating where, where they just kind of talked for like an hour about all the stuff he does to take care of his mind, his body, his diet, his training, and and the investment he makes in it. And I, I think he's going to be one of these guys that, that really has a chance to age really, really well and really gracefully later into his life. And, you know, he's learned all the lessons from the the Tom Brady's and the Drew Breeses who, you know, made it to 40 and Brady's still, still going well into his 40s. So, I just think as, as we go further on in, into these guys' careers with the rules and with the way they take care of their bodies, the aging process is just going to be further and further pushed back. And, and, you know, I think he has a chance to have a lot of good years left. And, you know, you, you look at where the Saints were at with Breeze around that age, and they were kind of moving into that 7-9 that and nine era. And, you know, they got out of it pretty quick. And the Seahawks are, are a little bit lower than that. But as long as you have that guy at quarterback, I think you have a really good chance uh, of always being close to competing and contending. And a couple good moves, maybe you know, another year or two in, in the Seahawks could be a contender again with him. And 
their coach is in his late 70s. I can't see Pete Carroll being eager to start over. So all those things considered, the, the idea of him actually getting traded, it, it's just far-fetched for me because people just don't trade these types of players. But if they do, and look, it, it sounds like he's asking again for a trade. He kind of passive-aggressively asked for one last year. Already we see reports from Ian Rappaport about him wanting to uh, explore his options and, and see what's out there. So push comes to shove. If it does become a real thing, do you think that the Saints are a very realistic option at that point? Because, like you said, they mentioned him, uh, or the Saints is one of the teams that, that he was looking at. And this isn't like a deal. Like, you hear everybody say, like, well, well the Saints will have enough to, to compete with, say, Philadelphia, who has, I think, three first-round picks. If Philadelphia isn't on Russell Wilson's list of teams, doesn't matter what they have because he won't okay a trade to that destination. So they just have to be more competitive than, than the other teams that are on Wilson's list. And who were they last year? It was Chicago, uh, Vegas, the Saints, and somebody else like the Giants on the list. Yeah. So so okay, Vegas maybe uh, the Bears are, are off that list. Um, you know the Giants. Like why would anybody in the world want to want to go to the Giants right now with where they're at? So, I mean, if, if it's still the same list of teams, I mean, the Saints seem extremely realistic at destination. So, yeah, I mean, if, if he pushes his way there, I, I think it is realistic. And, you know, it would cost a lot, you know, the draft compensation, a couple first-round picks probably. I think last year it was it was three and a third. I mean, he, he played worse this year. He's a year older. He has one less year on his contract. So you're either, like, right around that, that same territory or, you know, maybe it's one less first. Like, let's say two firsts and a third. The argument against going for him would be you sign Jameis for a cheaper deal and you draft people to be around him and, and you know, you build a better core. And, I mean, that that's a valid argument, assuming those draft picks work out. Cost-controlled talent. It, it would make a lot of sense. But let's say they don't draft as well. You know, it, it's easy to put a, a very high value on draft picks until those draft picks are actually manifest into, into actual human beings and, and you see their production. So, like, let's say last year – they make this trade, and you go two firsts and a third. You're giving up Cesar Ruiz, Zach Bond, and Peyton Turner. Anybody in the world right now today would make that trade for Russell Wilson, and, and just they would feel great about it. You know, sometimes the picks don't work out, and, and it's not it's not the greatest outcome in the world. Now, like you know, you make a trade to get better, and you get Stephon Anthony with the pick. Sometimes, other times, you get Ryan Ramchek, and you're extremely happy with that outcome. But I mean, until you actually make the pick and you see the players. It's easy to act like those picks are, are worth so much, but they actually have to work out. So, you know, I, I would be all for it if I'm the Saints. I, you can really overpay for a guy like Russell Wilson. I think he keeps you really close to, to contending. Um, I'm going really long here. I'm sorry. But, like, the cap the cap considerations, too. Like, he's $24 million. He's got two years on his deal. You add three void years to that. You know, you'd probably extend them actually and put real years on the contract, but you can get that cap number down around five million dollars for for next season, and you have a ton of money to go out and get a, a bunch of free agents. The Saints are sixty three million over the cap right now, just doing restructuring everything on the books. I mean, they can go eighty million if they get aggressive with the restructuring. It can be like one hundred and ten million that they can clear from the cap before cutting anybody. So you could have. $40, $50 million to spend in free agency if you really wanted to. And, and you can put a really good team around Russell Wilson, be a Super Bowl contender tomorrow, and have a quarterback that you're winning because instead of trying to win with. And I think that's the difference here. Like, 
Jameis is somebody, you put a good structure around him, you can win with him, and occasionally you'll win games because of him. But more often than not, like, if you have a good structure on him, you're finding ways to win with him. With Wilson, you're going to win games because of him. And I think to be, like, a consistent Super Bowl contender, you got to have a quarterback you're winning because of. And he's that guy. And you don't find those guys very often. They're hard to get. They don't become available in trades. If some, if one manifests in front of you an opportunity, you got to go all in to try to try to make it happen. One hundred percent. I mean, you're preaching to the choir, Nick Underhill, our guest. I'm with you, and and I like Jameis, but there's Jameis or Russell Wilson. Like if there's some that feel like if Jameis had never got hurt, the Saints would have been a Super Bowl contender this year. And I don't, I don't, I don't go that far. I think they would have been a playoff team. Um, in terms of winning it all, eh. Russell Wilson, yeah. Now I'm signing off on that. Yes, I believe it. And, you know, I, I think the timeline of this thing, there's two things. Uh, I'll make a comment, and then I want to ask you a question. Nick Underhill, our guest, it's ESPN Lafayette, kicking off the show in a big way with Nick. The, like, for for it's the no-trade clause in the contract for Wilson that I think makes this a strong possibility. And I know I'm stating the obvious here, but if there was no, if there was, if, if he didn't have that clause in there where he could essentially dictate the terms, if it reaches that point of no return between him and Pete Carroll, then all right, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about the saints, but the fact that he can veto any trade, it makes the negotiations more difficult, certainly for Seattle, but it makes the saints a real legit possibility but my question nick is sort of the timing of it all i mean worst case scenario you you're 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 really trying to make a play at wilson but then free agency starts Jameis signs elsewhere and now what do you do right like if if this were to happen hypothetically like if a wilson deal was going to happen when when would it need to be at the very least agreed upon in your mind where you feel comfortable because Worst case scenario is, I think, I, I shouldn't say worst case scenario. I guess the unknown scenario is you don't get either of them, and then what do you do at QB, right? Uh, and you can say, oh, well, you trade for someone else. Well, you're kind of in the same boat there. There's no guarantees. So from a timeline standpoint, when would something like this need to be agreed upon in terms of Wilson to the Saints? So we've seen a lot of these deals happen like early before the start of the league year. Now, now at the start of the league year is, is when they become official, but like, um, you know, Matthew Stafford and, and some other deals, like those come out well before that that date and, you know, just kind of sitting there waiting to be filed with the league with the trade is, is essentially done. And, you know, the start of the league year is when the free agency period starts. So I, I think if they were to make a trade for, for Russell, I mean, it, w- it would be known long before that kind of dropped that date, uh, where you got to make a decision to go between him or, or Winston. So I, I think that they would have all the knowledge they need on any of these guys, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever they could be looking at to trade for, if they are looking indeed to make a trade, they'll have that knowledge well in advance. And I, I don't think you end up in a spot where, where you're pursuing Russell and that falls apart. And now you're, you're, you know, screwed on the other guy. I think they would, they would be well aware of, of what's possible and what they need to do. And, at that point, they can make a jump. And look, I mean, the thing is, is I, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, it, it might not just be as simple as bringing Jameis back either. Like, if he gets another offer, it's going to be something that he's, he's got to contemplate. you got to look at the money. And, you know, I think for him, it's very important for him to, to kind of look at the situations and, and know who's going to be there to catch his passes. And, 
you know, I think all things being equal, money's right, situation's right. Everything I've heard is that he would like to come back here. He's got two years in the system. He he, he knows how to operate it. He wouldn't be learning a new playbook. He's comfortable with the coaches. He, he knows what he needs to do. But, like, if Pittsburgh comes along and they offer him good money and they got a, a better structure, he looks at it and it looks more attractive. You know, it could be something where he, he goes to them or it could be extremely possible where the only offer for, for him to be the starting quarterback. And I don't think Jameis is going anywhere else where, where he's not guaranteed to be a starter if he can come somewhere where he is guaranteed to be a starter because he needs that to, to get his value back up and show what he can do. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see how things play out for him. I, I don't think there's like a, a massive market where people are trying to replace their starter with Winston and – you know, there's really only a couple feasible uh, options. It, I mean, he, he realistically could end up in a situation where he's kind of got to take whatever the Saints offer him, or he could have multiple suitors, and it's you don't realistically see that price get up fifteen, sixteen, twenty million dollars even. I mean, that's that's what Petty got. Uh, if there is some competition, I don't know if the Saints will get in the bidding war for him though either. So, I mean, I, I'm fascinated to to see how it plays out. There's really not like a great cop anywhere you look. For uh, Jameis, like you could look at like Jacoby Brissett, he got 15 million immediately after Andrew Luck retired. But I mean, I think you could look at that deal and, and say that was a, a bad move and it's not a good comp. Or you know, I, I don't know if he's even comparable to, to Teddy at this point. He doesn't really have uh, the runway, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how things play out for him. No doubt. Final question of this segment for you, Nick. Then I got some Sean Payton questions for you set some odds for me here, right? Just percentage chance Winston, percentage chance Wilson, percentage chance Dorsey, which is unknown, right? It could be Taysom, though I doubt it would be. It could be somebody else. So in terms of starting quarterback in 2022 for the Saints, what odds do you give it being Wilson? What odds do you give it being Winston? And what odds is is the last option, which is just kind of open? So I, I would probably have to go 50, 25, 25 with all those. But I think you could, like, pair, you know, Winston and Dorsey, like a draft pick. You sign Winston going to the draft. And, you know, if, uh, I don't know, Pickett's there or something, I could see them doing that and having Jameis kind of as the, as the bridge to, to the next guy. Um, it, it just feels like that's the most realistic scenario right now, though, Still is still Winston. It, you know, some of these other things, there's so much that has to happen for, you know, Russell Wilson to even become a, a truly talkable point of, of something that, that could feasibly happen. So whereas, you know, Jameis and the Saints just say, okay, let's do this and it, it's over and that that's the next quarterback. So just uh, until the other things become more real, I think I think Jameis has the best track to the job. I don't think they're going to, you know, want to go into the season, Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, Ian Book. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think right now it, it, it's him, but – I think that very much they're trying to find Dorsey's to look through and, and find multiple options so that they aren't just saying, okay, we're going with this guy because he's available. You want them to go with that guy because they explored all options and you know other things didn't work out or it turns out that is the best option. So uh, for now, most realistic, but I, I could definitely see it going a different direction. 50% on Jameis, 25 Wilson, 25 Dorsey. Well, um, he might not be the one manipulating the cap numbers, but anybody that follows the Saints know he's usually the guy calling the final shot and having his say when it comes to most decisions in the organization. And that's head coach Sean Payton. Every year around this time, there seems to be rumors around Sean Payton. 
We'll ask Nick Underhill how much he puts into the current rumors surrounding the head coach of the Saints. Could he leave and a little bit of just kind of a final look back at the 2021 Saints from Nick Underhill year in review. We'll do that briefly. That's all coming up. We got Nick for one more segment right here on the great Scott show coming at you on this Wednesday morning. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back into the great Scott show. UL head basketball coach Bob Marlin joining me a little bit later. James Butler in studio. Former Green Bay Packers and Rage Occasion wide receiver. We're going to talk to him in the 8 o'clock hour. But still with us is Nick Underhill at Nick underscore Underhill on Twitter. That's the way to follow him. New Orleans dot football. That's what you want to put in. On your search engine, whether it be on your phone, your tablet, your laptop, your desktop, that's where you're going to get the good stuff from Nick at NewOrleans.Football. Lots of breakdown, analysis. You don't get other places. I'm a subscriber. Don't regret it. Also, the podcast he does as well. A lot of good content. Nick, one thing that I guess I guess you probably part of you expected to be talking about it right now is Sean Payton rumors, and it's usually something to the effect of, uh, the Cowboys might go after Sean Payton. We've heard that one before. This year, there's a few others. You got Michael Lombardi out there saying that he's in the last year of his deal, which Payton isn't in the last year of his deal. He's under contract through the 2026 season. But that there's talk, whatever talk is, about him maybe retiring for a year. Well, you could say leave the game for a year retiring. There's a lot of stuff that I could nitpick about Lombardi's statement. But overall, uh, of all of these rumors, did any of them – sort of, you know, I guess, have any merit? Is there any talk in your mind about Sean Payton maybe not being the coach of the Saints next year? So, I mean, I, I can say this, and, and I don't know anything from, from Payton's side, but, it, you know, a few months ago I, I did start hearing rumors about, like, TV networks trying to go hard after him. Now, that has nothing to do – they can try to go hard after anybody, and that doesn't mean that person is, is interested in what they're doing. So, I mean – Later on, you, you see Albert Breer kind of talk about some of that stuff and, and, and that. So, I mean, some of that has been going on, and I think people have been trying to see, you know, hey, are, are you ready to leave coaching? If you are, there's these opportunities for you. And it, it would be a natural breaking point if you're Fox or you're, you know, say Amazon. You know, they're, they're getting their Thursday night pack, uh, package going and, and trying to get some studio shows. Like, if there were um, – to try to find out, I, I think it would make sense for, for them to be like, hey, let, let's see if, if Sean wants to leave coaching. So that has been going on, and that's probably something you, you got to consider at least a little bit. I mean, you, you listen and, and see what's out there, but I, I would be ultimately surprised if, if Sean left coaching at, at this point. I think, um, you know, I think his team's in a, in a pretty decent spot. I think that he has a lot of money remaining on his contract, and walking away from $10, $15 million per year is, is a lot of money to walk away from. 
you know, at some point, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him end up in a studio on TV. I, I think that's kind of where, uh, you know, his life is probably heading down the road. I mean, he's, he's excellent at, at analyzing the game, talking about it in a manner uh, that's both intelligent, but, you know, in, in, a, in a language that's understandable and regular people can understand it and learn from what he's saying. So I think he, he's a natural for that. And over the last few years, we've seen him doing more and more TV stuff. Like he, he does the stuff with ESPN, you know, last couple of years during the Super Bowl, during the lead up to it, being on there as like a guest analyst. He's been in the studio a few different places. So, I mean, I think it is something that eventually, not right now, eventually he is interested in. And, you know, if there were any like fatigue right now on his side, it, that wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, they just had a, a, an extremely exhausting season. And, you know, being a reporter, like the way some of these rumors start, I mean, you, you can understand it. Um, you know, like guys going through uh, an extremely grueling season and says to somebody, you know, offhanded, you know, just, uh, you know, I'm feeling burnt out or whatever. And then that leads into something else. Like, I, I don't know where this stuff is coming from, but it, it, it seems like there's a lot of talk. So it's not something that you, you just – you know, absolutely ignore, but I just, I don't see him leaving the team at this point. It would, it would surprise me. Um, I think the team's in a good spot. I think they're, they're close to contending. I've heard that, that, you know, he's uh, invigorated by the idea of, you know, figuring out the, the quarterback situation post free still. Like, I think there's a lot that he still wants to accomplish as a coach. And, you know, I, I just don't see him in a place where, where he's leaving. I don't see him going to the Cowboys. Um, you know, it's just, it just feels like uh, his name comes up a lot and it's weird that it comes up a lot. And, you know, this, this year it feels a little bit different than other years, but I, I still don't see it being a thing where, where he's going to take off or, or go coach somewhere else or retire or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And then there's the, the bears rumors this year, throw this in there. It's just, you know this, Nick, and I, I'm not you know around the team like you are, but I've covered them long enough and know enough people that have covered them long enough to know that Sean Payton loves control, right? I mean, every coach does to an extent, but, I mean, he really, like, to the every detail of who has access, who doesn't, and, and, and everything. I mean, he's, he, 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 he likes it, he wants it, and there are a lot of franchises you can go to where the coach doesn't have that kind of control. And I know that Dennis Lausha and Mickey Loomis have tons of say, and, and ultimately Lausha probably has the most power when it comes to sort of Gail Benson and who she's listening to. But I'm talking just specifically about the Saints and that franchise and what they want to do. There are some head coaches that have a lot more control than others. Sean Payton is the guy that has what he wants. I mean, he's got almost, you could argue, autonomy to an extent – um, and you know, I've always said the whole Dallas thing. It's like, as long as Jerry Jones is alive, nobody's, you know, no coach is going to have that in Dallas ever. And, you know, there are not a lot of other places he could go, or, or you could argue even any place he'd go or he'd get that right. Certainly right out the gate. He has it in new Orleans. He also has a good team. You mentioned it. They got to figure out quarterback, but they, they had a winning record last year, despite all of the obstacles that they had to, I just, I don't see a scenario where what you're what you're saying, oh well, he would get this here. 
where like a realistic scenario where it's better than what he has in New Orleans. That's if he wants to keep coaching. I mean, you know, if he wants to go to TV or retire or whatever, that's different. But in terms of head coaching in the NFL and what's available and who might want to go after him, I don't see any scenario where he'd have the control, access, and and a good team all at the same time that he currently has in New Orleans. And so until something on that front changes or until he decides he just doesn't want to coach anymore, I don't I don't I don't see him going anywhere, Nick. I'd be, I'd be, you said surprised. I'd be shocked if he's coaching a different NFL team next year other than the Saints. Yeah, no, I, I would be shocked if he's coaching another team. Like, if you were to decide, like, oh, I, I want to take some time off and, you know. Right. Okay, cool. Like, I, it, I, that, that would be understandable for anybody. I would still be extremely, extremely surprised. But, it, no, if I, if I picked up Twitter and saw Sean Payton going to the Bears, I, I would be I would be shocked by it. Like, I, I just don't, I don't see that happening. I think if he's going to keep coaching, it makes sense to do it here. And, look, if there were ever a time that he was going to leave for another team, like, I hope people can stop floating these ideas out there after this year because the Bears are open. That's his hometown. The Giants are open. That's a place where he cut his teeth. And, and you know, it's clear that he holds the Giants in, in a high esteem. And he probably feels a sense of wanting to go back there and prove something because they didn't quite believe in him. And now the uh, the Cowboys, McCarthy's vulnerable. So, like, if there were ever a time that he were going to leave, it'd be one of those three teams. And if he doesn't do it this year, which I would almost bet everything that he would not go to any one of those places, I hope people can stop saying, like, oh, well, the Cowboys, oh, well, the Giants, oh, well, the Bears. He could have his pick right now, and if he doesn't pick one of them, and this, you know, would be the time if you were going to leave this team to go somewhere else. They're in a little bit of a period of transition you could convince yourself that the Cowboys are extremely ready to compete. Uh, Chicago has the young quarterback. I have no idea what the appeal of the Giants would be. But at this point, like, if he doesn't take one of them, like, I don't want to continue to hear these stories and, and these ideas floated out there of, like, oh, well, the Giants. Oh, well, like, it seems like that should be the end of it. And you're right. He has so much control here. And you're just not getting that anywhere else. Definitely not in Dallas. And, like, even something like, like the way they manage the cap, like, you would have you got to be like in the perfect place to be allowed to do things like that. You need an owner that's willing to cut the checks to, to cover the upfront expenses of converting this money into signing bonuses, which you got to pay out right away to, to players when you do that. And B, you need people that trust what you're doing enough to not hear the noise. And like anywhere else, like if everybody in the world, all these analysts, they're all writing about how, how you're dumb for doing the cap like this and it's not going to work, blah, 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 blah. Like an owner is going to hear that noise and start asking questions and not trust you to do it. Obviously, it works for them. Pandemic is the only reason it, it caught them last year. Outside of that, like what they do works, and, and it's you know you can do it forever into perpetuity. But you need people that aren't going to hear that noise. And and the reason they manage the cap like that is because Sean says, "Hey, I want this guy to make it work." So they go make it work. You aren't going to be able to do that other places. You aren't going to have that creativity. You aren't going to have that trust in what you're doing. There's not going to be as much of a, a I don't want to say a hands-off approach, but it's it's hands-off in the sense that they, they trust him and Ty Harley and, and Mickey Loomis to do what they do enough to not interfere, meddle, ask questions. Okay, that's what you want to do. It works. Cool. You can do it your way, and you guys call the shots here as long as, you know, nothing blows up and things keep running. We aren't going to we aren't gonna put our hands in this. Like, you can't do that other places, and, and he'll never have that. Um, you know, he, he's just – Jerry could tell him he's going to have the control, but how long is that going to last, right? I mean, you get a year or two, and then – both of them are, are regretting that, you know, now Jerry's meddling. Sean's probably angry that he's meddling. Jerry's probably mad that he gave Sean's power. Like, 
it, it's just not a situation where, where I, I can see like long-term harmony. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I just don't see him going to coach somewhere else. It, it just doesn't, doesn't seem feasible. And I think, you know, if he were to weigh one of those options, I, I don't even think he's weighing options, but if he were to ever weigh one of those options, I think he would probably realize that, realize how close his team is to competing, realizing how good he has it here. I just don't, I just don't see it. Nick Underhill has been our guest. Final question, Nick, and um, it, it's just a letter grade, right? Considering, all things considered, the uh, the 2021 Saints didn't get to the postseason, did finish with a winning record, had plenty of hurdles. What letter grade would you give the team this past season? And then we'll let you run. You know, I'd probably give them a, a, a B. You know, i got to take some of the team building into account here. The people that are coaching are part of the team building, too. So, and I don't think they did enough on, on offense. I think they learned good lessons, though, about what their uh, system's capable of doing versus, you know, what Drew Brees was doing in terms of elevating receivers and that. So I think that they learned good lessons about how to value everything. And, and look, I mean, they went 9-8 and eight in an injury-riddled season. Probably would have been, you know, a much, much better team while learning those lessons. So you'd rather have success while you're learning than, you know, failure while you're learning. So, you know, overall uh, – Solid B. If you just go straight up, you know, coaching what they went through the record, fifty-seven different starters, um, four different starting quarterbacks. You know, I I would press that that grade up a little bit, just you know, independent of of the roster building. I, I think it's extremely impressive that they were, you know, on the cusp of a playoff spot, given everything they went through. When you when you really take a step back and, and look at everything they they endured, I mean, it was. I think a, a very successful season for them, even though it didn't end uh, in the playoffs. Well, their season's over, but the coverage never ends. Nick Underhill's got it for you at neworleans.football. Give him a follow on Twitter at Nick underscore Underhill. And uh, check out the website again, neworleans.football. Nick, always appreciate these conversations, man. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can catch up one time, maybe around the draft or free agency and Hopefully we can do this again next year, man. I always enjoy our monthly chats, and it's good. It's good talking. Uh, good talking Saints ball with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, that is Nick Underhill. Up next, we're going to shift gears, talk some college hoops. Rage Cajun basketball coach Bob Marlin joins me. They are in action tomorrow night. Will they have a full roster?